Welcome to the Explanation of Benefits podcast. Have you ever wondered how healthcare works? Would you like to take a look behind the curtain with industry experts, healthcare executives, and policymakers to demystify the topics of the day and the ongoing evolution of healthcare? We invite you to come on a journey to learn about the ecosystem that keeps you and your family healthy. This podcast is sponsored by the Michigan Association of Health Plans, representing 10 health insurers here in the state of Michigan and delivering care to 3.1 million Michiganders. Welcome, everybody, to the Explanation of Benefits podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rombeck, and we're very glad you joined us on our journey to demystify healthcare. Uh, today, our first guest is Dr. Michael Genord, and thank you for joining us, Dr. Genord. Thank you for having me. Um, he is joining us as the president and CEO of HAP. And um, Dr. Jordan, if you wouldn't mind, um, could you just give us your background and maybe your rise to CEO and tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can go into some more of the other material? Yeah, thanks for asking, Jeff. Um, uh, my name is Michael Genord. I a, uh, was a practicing obstetrician gynecologist for over 17 years, managing uh, multiple um, private practices. And about seven to eight years ago, I became um, the chief medical officer of uh, Health Plus of Michigan uh, and started my journey on the payer side. Um, I've had a very exciting time through that. And most recently, um, am, I am working as the president and CEO of Health Alliance Plan, a fully owned subsidiary of Henry Ford Health System. And I'm also an executive vice president of the Henry Ford Health System. Um, it's exciting to have a physician as a leader of an insurance plan, and my experiences really uh, play nicely into the role that I'm now leading. Yeah. So to follow up a little bit on that, um, you know, be being a physician and a CEO, I think you're the only physician CEO in, in Michigan that I'm aware of. You know, what advantages do you think that brings to running a health insurer? It brings a level of empathy. After um, practicing for over 17 years, I know. Um, the struggles and the day-to-day -day workflows that physician communities uh, are dealing with to take care of their patients. And I also know the, in, uh, the ways in which they're trying to stimulate different behaviors. And it's been, uh, it allows me to have uh, language and discussions with our provider partners so that we can be true partnerships in designing products that we can bring them to the market together to achieve the highest quality outcomes you know, for our members, but most importantly, about the patients that they're serving. Now, you, you talked about, you know, still being able to speak the physician language and, and that advantage that it brings you, you know, I would imagine you probably still have some physician friends left. Um, how do they look at you? Do they think, you know, you've gone to the dark side or are they uh, yeah. still very comfortable talking to you? Yeah, you know, something that was uh, more, it's certainly the joke, so you went to the dex, uh, dark side, but that's quickly followed up by intrigued by them because they knew my commitment in the community. I was a uh, uh, previous past president of the Oakland County Medical Society. I was a delegate to the uh, board of directors of Michigan State Medical Society. I was very active in, in the physician community. So it really begins to stimulate why would someone such as myself find a role on the payer side to be beneficial to the, the overall health ecosystem, I would say, the delivery system to deliver better care. So it really stimulates what I would say very intriguing conversations and sharing of ideas, uh, which then begins to build the trust uh, you know, as we uh, navigate uh, the healthcare journey together. 
You know, and I think on a, on a personal note, um, I think you and I discovered a couple of years ago at our conference that you trained um, the doctor, Dr. Stark, that brought in two of our children to the world. So I think uh, in a in a roundabout way, I'm very appreciative of, of uh, your, your time on the practice side. And when you were a physician, uh, she was great. Uh, you mentioned, go ahead. No, I was supposed to say 17 years of delivering babies and taking care of women is is an honor and something that I continue to carry through to me. And not only the patients I've touched, but the physicians I uh, was blessed to work with and help train. So thanks for mentioning that, Jeff. Okay. So you mentioned a little bit earlier um, the integration with Henry Ford, and, and you sit as an executive vice president with with Henry Ford, and the work you've done to really integrate, you know, the healthcare delivery system and the ecosystem between the two parties. Um, what advantages does that bring to to healthcare? I think on on a global scale, or so now, think- or or for the individual patient, actually, too. I apologize. Yeah, no, I think the provider sponsor regional health plans are living laboratories. We get to think about product design, care coordination efforts, how we incentivize and align incentivize uh, physicians, um, all in the name of improving quality and experience for their patients. That experience and higher quality will lead to lower costs. Lower costs opens access up, make it more affordable for more individuals to have full healthcare benefits. We then can take those living experiences with our own medical group and provider and begin to socialize those more widely uh, across the uh, Michigan landscape with other physician organizations. It's always struck me that physicians are, are very quick to share best practices. We don't see it as a business competitive because we were trained to do what's best for patients. So if we adopt best practices across the continuum, we deliver better and higher quality care. And so it's really nice to be associated with the Henry Ford Health System, who's had over 100 years delivering health care in a very challenging community, and how HAP and Henry Ford can work together to overcome those obstacles. Well, that's, yeah, that's an intriguing partnership and I think a real advantage to having the, the two organizations so closely knit and having you with a position on both sides is, is definitely an advantage to the market. Um, yeah, it'd be remiss. Oh, sorry. Were you going to go? Were you going to comment? I would just say it's a testimo- uh, testimony to the Henry Ford Health System recognizing the value of their payer asset and then making sure that um, that there's not just token physician leadership there or participation, but fully engagement of the medical community and a physician in leading that organization. So, you know, that's a brief introduction to you and your overall view into into the healthcare ecosystem and and the unique view you bring. Um, Kind of pivoting off of that, Obviously, the, the news today is always the COVID crisis. Um, do you want to give us maybe your, your first, your two cents as a physician related to the COVID crisis? Yeah. So what I've been struck with healthcare is that healthcare um, is always changing in very rapidly. Sometimes we move slower in things. COVID certainly uh, exposed some very significant social, social disparities, uh, unevenness of, of, of individuals being affected by this disease. Um, and a lot of that's determined by social determinants and other, uh, other factors. I think the COVID uh, situation, again, HAP and Henry Ford Health System were uniquely positioned because I was part of their daily or weekly um, calls from their command center. 
we could begin to see from a payer exactly what was happening on the provider side and where there was barriers for care. So we quickly moved to you know lower any type of um, um, barriers to care. We turned uh, different portions of our organization outward facing and made over 12,000 calls to people, uh, members and patients that we thought could be at risk. We did things simply as connecting them through virtual visits because they hadn't came in, helping with food insecurities, uh, making sure we wrap behavioral health services around them. And all those things uh, were leading to better outcomes uh, for our members and experiences, and hopefully keeping our, our patients out of emergency rooms and urgent care centers and being to successfully manage their uh, chronic chronicity of disease through different technologies and different touch points uh, with the healthcare system. And I think maybe one of the, the biggest steps that HAP took was to waive any and all cost share related to COVID-related services, right? Absolutely. We didn't want someone to have any barrier to pushing that button on a virtual care and not just regular COVID, but anything. We also removed cost share to primary care visits that were even in person. We, we knew it was important that uh, we didn't want to give anyone any barrier to getting the care they needed through um, these trying times. So uh, going back to now being the the CEO of an organization, you know, the COVID cri- the COVID pandemic hits, you know, everybody starts working from home, you know, you're in command central. Um, what decisions are you making about how HAP operates or is going to operate during this time? Well, first of all, we thought about each one of our constituent partners. So clearly we have over 500,000 members that we provide services to. So we had to put them in the forefront and we touched on that. Uh, in our previous uh, discussion. Secondly, we're only as good as the people we employ and the the ability that they can engage and take care of those members with as least obstacles as possible. So we quickly had an escalation uh, plan uh, to move people home uh, to make sure they had the necessary tools to be successful and you know, again, I measure that and that we exceeded all of our service levels and actually had some of the highest service levels ever in the middle of moving uh, close to a thousand employees uh, home. Um, and, um, you know, our technology and all of that um, performing so well. The third constituent was our broker community and our commercial accounts. Again, they were asking confused on, on some of the new guidance that was coming out from CMS or MDHSS. Um, so we really uh, became wanted just to become the voice where people could come to and get credible, reliable, succinct, and clear guidance uh, on the rapidly changing uh, COVID. Um, and that was quickly followed by us um, giving premium revenue relief uh, to small group and individuals because we knew as the pandemic begins to wind down, there is an economic recovery that needs to follow from that and giving some security to the market through all of 2020, we thought was important. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of decisions to make in, in such a quick succession. And that's, um, that, that, that had to be some, some difficult moments, but also, um, especially after you see it work, just that feeling of, oh, you know, we, we, we put our, our enrollees first and they're doing well. And we put our, you know, we put our employees first and we put our clients first and to see all that come together had to be, um, just, a, just a great moment for you, for yourself and for HAP. 
Yeah, I would say that's where I drew a little bit on my my physician surgeon training, uh, you know, going into the operating room when it's showtime and you have multiple constituents in the operating room and everyone has to be working together for, you know, a successful outcome of a procedure. You know, it was just great to be able to draw on those strengths that I've had and, you know, when something in the operating room doesn't go quite well, how the team reacts to it. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of the Henry Ford Health System, both on the provider side and our payer side of how we approach this as a team sport, put our members and patients in the forefront of everything we did, and then supported those other constituents along the way. So I think you gave us a really good picture of how COVID has affected 2020. Um, you know, you're probably in the planning phase and the a lot of from the financial side and the actuarial side, but operationally, how are you planning for 2021? How has it affected 2021 and 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 for and beyond? Yeah, Jeff, it's a great question. When COVID came out, we were embarking on a multi-year strategic plan. And I think many people thought we may back away or stop that. We actually leaned in and and went through a very uh, intentional exercise over uh, several months to prepare a three-year strategic plan. And the mantra we had is be bold but prudent during this time. And what I mean by that is we look to 2021, what products could we put in the market to help support and continue to advance uh, virtual care? And not virtual care just in an episodic, I have a sore throat or a post-op visit, but how do we use this to address social determinants of health, both people who have transportation issues or um, you know, monetary issues about gas or parking? So what kind of virtual product could we put into the market? Um, how do we um, make partnership with uh, uh, providers uh, that um, have been um, shown to do so well during this and partner with them in 2021? I think we're all sitting back and wondering uh, from a budgetary standpoint, where what does the utilization patterns of healthcare look like in 2021? Does more outpatient even shift to home care? Um, does inpatient rate, uh, utilization continue to be suppressed? Uh, beyond 2021. And those are variables that we're going to have to address in 2021. But our strategic plan contemplated all of those things. And so from our ability to continue to work at home in 2021, having flexible products out there for 2021, uh, partnering with our commercial um, communities uh, and broker community in a virtual way and show how we can support them virtually, all of those factors played into our 2021 uh, strategic plan and beyond. Yeah, it, it very much. It sounds like it's it's tr- that treating the whole person mentality, right? You're you're not just delivering. A, you know, you're not just paying a claim. You're you're saying, well, how can we help you pay a claim? How can we get you into the situation where you're seeing your physician? Have you not seen a physician? And I think that's got to be, you know, it's it's really turning the the healthcare system on its head and really looking at it from you know this this you know partnership perspective. And that's that's a great way to go. So, Jeff, I think that you you really hit it on the head. And I think a key thing of demystifying insurance is that people believe that it's a financial um, organization that's looking ways to avoid paying for health care. And in fact, you know, the va- a significant portion of the employees of our thousand employees are healthcare professionals. They're social workers, they're behavioral health people, they're pharmacists, they're farm techs, they're physicians. Uh, large group of nurses, um, care managers, all of that is actually designed to engage our members in a very thoughtful way and to make sure they're seeking services. 
because a health provider, as a health plan, we pay for those services, but we know higher quality care, paying those things upstream, helping to solve some of the social determinants is far cheaper alternative than someone in an emergency room, in a hospital, having uh, renal dialysis because we haven't been managing their kidney disease, not making sure they're on the right medications for their asthma or COPD and they're ac- in their having exacerbations and now hospitalized. And I think it's really important for people to understand all of these decisions about what drugs are in our formulary, all of our uh, requirements around um, immunizations or outpatient stuff is really to engage our patients and members in concert with their provider to get them the highest quality care. So that was kind of one of the, you know, health insurance misnomer. You know, if I could ask you, put your physician hat back on, like what is one of the like healthcare misnomers you'd like to demystify or just something that like you always get a question on and, you know, you, you kind of put your hand to your head and you say like, I've answered this so many times. Like what's, what's that question? Well, I think most people when they're reaching out to an insurance company, whether it be a provider or even a member, unfortunately, it's a lot around um, is something approved for care or something was denied. I think the biggest demystifier for me when I became the chief medical officer after 17 years of practicing, the only people I ever dealt with were people in prior auth or utilization. It totally blew my mind how many people were working day in and day out, reaching out to members, actually trying to get them involved in their healthcare journey trying to create health and wellness around them and having them actually engage with their primary care providers in preventative. So I think the biggest mystification of it is that most people interact uh, when they may have an obstacle with a health plan. Um, There's a whole host of members and patients that are getting wraparound services from their plan that's helping them in their healthcare journey. Yeah, it's one of the things I always kind of, you know, we'll, I'll talk to friends and, you know, they'll bring me their EOB and tell me why this happened. Tell me why that happened. And my favorite one is, well, have you called customer service and just how helpful they can be with just how to walk you through, you know, what does your EOB say and what happened here? Yes. And it's a complicated business. And the frustration that consumers feel in that, you know, we feel as a, a plan as well, you know, how do we in the next generation evolve as an organization, as a country to create clarity for people engaging in the healthcare system around that. A lot of those things are driven by government regulations, state regulations of you know how you communicate with members or patients, all very well intentioned and all provide a lot of value. But as we move farther, uh, farther down the road here, we have to get better at communicating because no explanation of benefit should actually be a dis-explanation of benefits, <laughs> that it's more confusing than it actually is. And, and so we have whole teams that um, are working on that. And we really uh, do it by trying to be uh, the head of the consumer and really do human-centered uh, design and say, what it would it look like um, instead of just checking the blocks, boxes that we've hit government regulations, how can we design an experience that puts the consumer in the forefront of what we've done? Um, and so we're really excited about that work and the work we're doing around that. You know, when I've also talked about demystifying, like the one thing I've asked people is, you know, try to explain one person's behavior in any given situation, but then give you, let's say you have a, a, a 500 person employee plan, right? And Try to predict the behavior of 500 people and not only predict their behavior, but predict how much it will cost, 
right? And and I think that's really the, the one of the most complicated factors behind healthcare that is just so misunderstood. And yeah, it's not always- even within one company, Jeff. Uh, you know, uh, 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 insuring a um, small business that's a tool and die shop may have very different needs than insuring a teacher, uh, a school with teachers. There. So even thinking about wellness and those and the benefit structure and how we interact, um, that's what HAP really strives to do is get down to that level with the people who are uh, purchasing these health cares and designing programs that add value and make sense for those individuals purchasing the health care. And you're right. For every, you know, for every patient, there's a different need or concern in really trying to design product that address those. So, so kind of talking about the markets a little bit, you know, one of the, the crash courses in healthcare is, you know, there are three markets where health insurance comes from, right? You can get a government sponsored through Medicaid or through Medicare or through a Medicare, uh, Medicare supplemental product through your employer. Um, and then also the marketplace. Um, one of the things that's true is, is HAP is playing in all of these different markets. Um, is there one issue that permeates that, you know, really keeps you up at night? So I think that engaging in your healthcare journey in a proactive way is unique is is important in all aspects, whether it's Medicare Advantage, whether it's our Medicaid population, or whether it's our consumer population. So having proactive engagement in your healthcare journey is something similar through all of them. But the solution set for each one of those groups can vary astronomically. Um, so I think the, you know, one thing we try to do in this, um, you know, patient centered design is if you're a Medicare Advantage member who has limited mobility, what, how do we address that? And how does our product help them be successful engaging in their healthcare journey? Um, so I think you could go down each product line, but it's really, uh, removing barriers and giving best, uh, uh, um, guidance of best practices uh, so that our members and patients can can engage their plans and their providers in ways that uh, improves their quality of life. So that was a little bit on the Medicare supplemental, it, you know, um, Medicaid space, you know, what's something that maybe the public doesn't know about in, in Medicaid that um, that is, is is worth knowing and would really shed some light onto how that how that system operates? Yeah, so I think we should be proud um, of being in Michigan because as Michigan, we've had very active Medicaid plans that have been living laboratories to try to improve access, quality, and outcomes among our Medicaid members. And we've also expanded Healthy Michigan. And the plan is designed that those there will be times in life when any one of us could need to utilize the benefits that the citizens of state of Michigan have have funded. And so, you know, at HAP, we see Medicaid as an extension to all of our other products in the sense that people have life journeys and life journeys may, you have a job and you have commercial insurance, but something comes up and you may need to um, exercise uh, engagement into a Medicaid product. And so um, we should be proud of that in the state of Michigan with our Healthy Michigan uh, expansion as well. And we should be uh, really clear, and, and we certainly guide our members that if they're having hard times, you know, how do they engage in a Medicaid plan and how do we get services and, and continuing care? So, um, you know, people often, you know, um, have a slanted look at Medicaid as if it's something bad. It's actually something for us to be very proud of 
to help individuals in their time of need. Um, and you have uh, health plans that are dedicated to that in the state of Michigan. You know, I think the one thing you missed, you, you touched on the Healthy Michigan Plan or our Medicaid expansion plan is, you know, I've had, you know, family members and friends talk to me about it. And I say, well, how many people do you think are in there? And, you know, they, they guess the number. And I'm like, would it shock you that it's like 600,000 people? And they're like, really? It's like, yeah. And the very valuable care is being delivered through that mechanism and in keeping people insured and then using it to get through to your next job is just, you know, it's very important. And we know financially by the numbers, there's been U of M studies that show, you know, these numbers balance out. Like there, there is a net gain to these programs. And uh, I think it's just a testament to the system and how it's working that that brings healthcare and makes it work that way. Well, it's a misnomer, Jeff, and I totally agree with your sentiment there that these 600,000 members would not have gotten care. What they would have gotten is care that was too late, more costly, and not as effective. And the citizens of the state of Michigan still would have been paying that through some other way. Um, So what Healthy Michigan has done is to to say that every life is valuable and people go through these times. And if we can get farther upstream in their healthcare journey by having these benefits afforded to them, they will use them responsibly and help prevent higher cost conditions farther down the, the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that investment on the front end, you know, it, it, when you've got a, a little, you know, a little healthcare problem, it's good to treat it then and not wait till all of a sudden you need major surgery six months down the road, right? Yeah, and that's our concern right now with COVID, right? How much care that is needed is being put off or delayed that, you know, may come in 2021 or 22. What cancer diagnosis may be missed because someone's not getting their screening colonoscopy? And we are so acutely aware of that from a health plan and really partnering with our provider organizations. And as I said, turning some of our inward facing uh, staff to external facing, making outreach calls and really trying to engage our members and get them safely back to where they need to get their preventative care and screenings. So we kind of hit on two of the markets. We hit on uh, Medicare and Medicare supplemental. We hit on Medicaid. You know, the the big market is the employer market, right? We have a a lot of people in Michigan that get their insurance through their employer. It continues to, to grow or traditionally has grown. Um, what do you think employers are looking for in a health insurer today? So I think that in COVID, ironically, I think have them looking very differently. Um, I think some people uh, in the past were in the safety. Uh, if I have a rate, I'm not looking to change. I think the commercial uh, industry is looking uh, for how do we engage uh, and wrap services and products around their employees how do we, as I said, get further upstream to bend their healthcare costs? Um, and they're acutely aware of how certain providers and plans have performed during the COVID and want their employees to have access to it. Uh, during this exciting time, we introduced a product called Pivotal, which is a large group product for uh, employee groups over 50. And it really is a, a narrow network of high quality uh, physicians that are aligned with the Henry Ford health system. And we are really looking at a concierge model and where there's a one call resolution to your point, EOB confusions, prior auth, whether they have a provider question or a payer question, they're going to call uh, one number. We're going to make sure that if they're sick, they get in within a day. If they need specialist visits, they'll get in within 10 days. 
Because again, Jeff, we believe servicing uh, these members in that way will lead to much higher quality, less absenteeism. People feel safe and comfortable coming to their provider and returning back to work. Yeah, I think about uh, Warren Buffett, I think, had a quote where he said, you know, whether you know it or not, you're running a healthcare company, right? Because you just look at the amount of uh, um, amount that an employer is paying toward um, their health insurance premiums and for healthcare, And, you know, partnering with a, a plan has got to be just so much on the forefront of their mind, right? To make sure that they're getting value for value for every dollar they're putting in and, and the care they're delivering to their employees. Absolutely. You know, one of the physician, my physician colleagues, many of them, um, this is another thing that I think shocked them. I said, how many times have one of you went and sat a, against an HR director of a larger corporation who's a purchaser of healthcare? And they're asking about why are X percent of my employees on opioids and what are you doing to help them in their chronic pain and get them off that medication? How, why are so many of my employees in emergency rooms? Like, why aren't we making sure they're getting in and they have access to primary care? And my colleagues were blown away that as a health plan, those are the questions we're answering. But it truly is that partnership that commercial um, accounts are looking for because their ultimate concern is the safety and well-being of their employees. And how are we helping their employees navigate a healthcare journey to lead to health? So um what would you say? So, you know, obviously our, our podcast here is designed to go behind the scenes of healthcare. You know, what happens behind the scenes when an employer comes to HAP from another insurer? So um, we sit down and first, why are we even meeting? You know, why are you looking? So it's understanding their objective. You know, are they looking for health uh, wellness programs? Are they seeing utilization rates? Are they not getting the data in partnership with their current carrier? Once we understand that, and then they be, we win that account and that trust, which is first and foremost we need to do, you know, we're looking at the claim volume of all of their employees over the previous year. So where are they utilizing services? Where, What kind of services are they utilizing? What kind of medications are they using? And then we think about what clinical programs we have at HAP that can help stem those costs. And that's not denying those services, but how can we address their chronicity or disease or get them on a more effective medication? And then we crosswalk all employees when they come to us, if they've already had prior offs with their other plans, or they're already in some treatment modality, or they're already on some medication regimen. We crosswalk those to our benefits and make sure there's not disruption in care. And if there is some um, perceived benefit of, of shifting, we work with those employees to to make their transition. Obviously, um, being welcomed as part of the HAP family in, in the services uh, that we have, and then making sure that you know on day one when that card gets utilized um, at any physician offices, they have the full support and um, commitment of the HAP family behind it. You know, and I think um, that's one of the things that is out there too. You know, you're looking at these bundles of data, and you know, you've been now on two sides of healthcare. You know, how have you looked at the the progression of healthcare data and and its use and um, its application? That's a great question, Jeff. And um, I may be a little cynic here. I think we're a great <laughs> data storage company, healthcare as as a whole where we really need to go to is activate that data. So we have to get much better at analyzing data and using predictive analytics 
And really, you know, we have a saying at HAP, what's the best next action by our member? If we can help predict that even before the, the patient or member knows it and start wrapping education and thoughts around that, we can help them make the best, the next best decision for them. So I would say that we are a very data-rich company, uh, industry. We haven't fully activated that data in a way that we put the member first. And we're not actively uh, close enough yet between payer and provider that that data is synced and we're drawing the same conclusions from it. I think everyone's good intention and we're on that journey. Uh, and healthcare data is so sensitive. Um, but I think that uh, we have so much potential uh, in the next decade to transform healthcare through artificial intelligence, predictive analytics, uh, um, anticipating the next best action from uh, a patient, um, adopting best practice protocols and predictive analytics about disease process and making sure they're on the right medication quickly and not having to have a try and fail uh, approach in some medication regimen. So I'm very excited about the future. Um, so I think data analytics and activating that data is going to be revolutionary for healthcare. You know, if we could, it would dig into one finer point. You were talking about all the steps that you go through, you know, checking prior auths and checking providers, you know, could you just give maybe a little bit more on that? Because, you know, I think the general public assumes where if their employer switches from, you know, insure A to HAP, you know, for the next year that it's just, you know, it's just, oh, we just change and there's, I just get a new card. There's a lot going on there behind the scenes. Absolutely. We want to make sure every physician that they're currently seeing is in the HAP network um, and that we have contracts with them. If we don't crosswalk them and give them options to other physicians, we want to look at every medication that they may be on and make sure that it's in our formulary and there'll be no disruption when they go to the pharmacy and say, I need the renewal of X drug. And they're like, well, that's not part of the HAP benefit. It's actually Y drug. So it's working through all of those things. And I would say where we, again, have a great deal of opportunity is making sure that these new members know that their insurance is just not about the new card that they got, but, rap, but rather the purchaser of that for their company chose us because we have a commitment to their health and wellness. And so um, we are trying to engage them in a way that they're just not thinking about their card when they get ill or sick, and it's just a means for payment but rather the HAP support system, our wellness programs, our care management programs, and partnering with the provider, their providers in the community is a benefit we want them to uh, lean in and utilize um, because we think it's so important. And really, it, it links up the two questions because that's all driven by the data, right? Absolutely. You know, data is a key on things. And you know, having a good, robust data set and then being able to mine that data set and put analytics uh, is the key to unleashing a lot of this. So uh, let's take a moment and just kind of look ahead. Um, I think you maybe touched on it a little bit, but what does the next generation generation of HAP look like? You know, you've you've probably had to make you've probably learned a lot of things sending employees home and and turning your organization more outward facing. You know, how has that made you rethink, you know, maybe that three-year strategic plan you had or what has it made you rethink? What, what comes to the forefront? Yeah. So again, I would, I would um, characterize this, Jeff, a lot by constituents. So I think when we look at our provider community, the next generation at HAP is building on what we've done in the last few years of building products with 
particular physician organizations across the state and even going over to West Michigan and building a, a product. And what I mean by building a product is having a meaningful partnership in sitting down with their physician community and saying, what kind of behaviors are you trying to get your patients to do? And what is the health plan either doing to hinder that or what could we do in product design to help be more effective? And it may be something like closing the donut hole for insulin so that people don't stop taking their insulin when they meet this this arbitrary hole in their coverage where they're paying more out of pocket and can't afford it. Um, So it's sitting down that. So I think that um, one thing the future of HAP is this um, very intentional thing to have a highly engaged provider network that we're working together to design products, sharing data, sharing information about patients, partnering on who's reaching out in care management to get farther upstream. How do we wrap services that begin to address social determinants, transportation issues, and all of those together? I think that um, the digital uh, uh, foray we've talked about um, in the future is really uh, empowering and unleashing the data we have and using artificial intelligence and beginning to predict um, the next best action for our members. And I think with the producer community and commercial, it's really um, being very clear about our uh, value differentiation in the market and how we believe a partner with ship with them and making sure we have the right products for their employees is going to be really important. And then the fourth thing is we want to be excellent government uh, providers of healthcare. And what I mean by that is Medicare Advantage and Medicaid. So we want to be a center of excellence for government-based programs and deliver in our Medicaid populations, make sure that we're addressing what I would call the community by community social needs. Every community is different, making sure we're wrapping services around and really changing the outcome of them and being good partners with the state of Michigan and certainly with our Medicare Advantage and MedSup plans, working with the federal government in a way that's very meaningful uh, for our seniors. And HAP does participate in a demonstration product between CMS, Medicare, and Medicaid. And again, we want to continue to lean in that relationship and learn together uh, with Medicare and Medicaid in the state of Michigan and and HAP of how we deliver uh, more effective care to the most vulnerable uh, of our society. So you you mentioned um, AI and things like that and utilizing that, Um, you know, when you first, you know, graduated medical school and and stepped out and started practicing, did you even have the the faintest idea that um, artificial intelligence would be a thing that'd be that important? And and, or is there something that's come further in healthcare since you've practiced that's been very impressive to you? So I think AI unleashes all the data, you know, as a practitioner, when I started, you know, over 20 years ago. Science has just gone, you know, has advanced so much, whether that's uh, genomic um, um, discoveries, whether that's the advancements in more designer medications that are actually going at gene levels. Um, the list goes on, you know, what, what type of chronicity of disease, how, they, how different individuals react in those chronicity of disease. So I think AI allows the information of that patient potentially of their family members, of genomes, of past medicines that they've taken, and really begin to social determinants, maybe zip codes, things that they're living in, and really help us design um, treatments 
that, to be quite honest, a human brain in a 30-minute visit with a patient can't possibly take all of that information in. And so I, 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 I'm just so excited about the future of that because it will empower physicians with data and opportunity they never had, and they can help work with their patients in ways and in, in, um, get right to the point of what is likely their best treatment modality that's based on data. And how much of that do you think would have helped your practice when, when you were out in the field? Oh, it was exploding my practice when we think about women healthcare and BRCA genes and, you know, women that are struggling in their breast care journeys. When you think about young moms who are having an amniocentesis and the information that was coming out at the time about the health of their baby, or there's complicated uh, health uh, genetic uh, um um, situations within their family and, and being able to interpret the effect that may have on their unborn child or even before pre preconception. Um, my diabetic patients that were really striving and working hard to get their blood glucose levels in control prior to pregnancy. I think, you know, we all of the technology that's coming about, you know, how we can control diabetes better and all of the questions that I just posed is exciting. And if I had that, I think I would have been a better doctor because I could have <laughs> It really motivated people with data and showed the differences um, and made compelling cases of, of why we should be uh, adopting one treatment modality after an, over another. So, you know, uh, Dr. Jordan, I want to be mindful of your time here. Um, I, I think we're at a good point where if you'd like to leave us with any more final thoughts or wrap up anything, uh, this would be a good time to just give our listeners a, a shout as to something that, you know, is important to you. Yeah, so I think the you know the take home message from me, Jeff, centers in why we had this conversation: demystifying health insurance. I think that HAP is charting the way of the insurance industry as a partner. We are payers we're partnering with our providers and our employers and our members' patients to deliver the highest value of care. And as individuals hear this podcast, ask themselves when they've had something in their healthcare journey, if they thought about how their plan that they are paying premiums to could be helpful with them and their journey. And so we look to continue to be storytellers and tell stories of people that we've touched in very powerful ways and changed the trajectory of their health journey. And we want to be able to scale that more and more across our 540,000 members and growing uh, in a way that really uh, is value disruption in the market and really creates a new paradigm of trust between providers payers, brokers, and commercial uh, people who are purchasing and the member. Well, and the biggest thing is you want to tell your doctor friends that you didn't go to the dark side, right? That's exactly right. I cloaked <laughs> myself in a you know white suit, not the dark side. <laughs> well, I would just say I appreciate you taking so much time out of your day um, and just to come on here and give us, like I said, your, at the beginning, your very unique perspective being a, a CEO of a health plan and having been on the medical director side and having been a practicing physician. I think it really gave our listeners you know, a good first peek into how we're going to demystify healthcare on this podcast. And I thank you so much for your time and um, you know, we wish you the best of luck and we'll keep in touch. And to our listeners out there, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, this was our, our first try and uh, we were very happy to have our, our guinea pig, I mean, inaugural uh, member, Mike <laughs> Janord, come on and, and give us a little bit about the healthcare system. So thank you all so much and look forward to our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Explanation of Benefits podcast. Would you like to be a guest on our show or do you have a show idea? Head to mhp.org to submit that over. We look forward to demystifying Michigan's healthcare industry.